to Life as Purpose. I'm Ryan Bomberger. And I am Bethany Bomberger. My favorite. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love you. <laughs> I love you, babe. It is, you know, it's show number nine. nine. It is. It's number nine. Okay. And we are just so happy to be back with our listeners. I know that we're physically not together, but in our hearts, we're where you are. And today's show is going to be one that's going to prayerfully give you a smile. Put a smile on your face. Yes. Make you feel some sunshine. I think that we're all pretty exhausted. And I think that there's been a... Yeah. I I didn't notice any exhaustion. Yeah. yeah. A lot of exhaustion this week and a lot of heavy heaviness. And so today we're going to talk about beauty and unity. And we're going to talk about forgiveness. And we're going to talk about redemption. And you know what? We're going to go out of here clicking our heels and looking forward to positivity. Yeah, I'm not sure if my heels click. That's more like a. <laughs> but later it's more on, like I... your ankles and your knees are clicking. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's called old age. But anyway, later on in the podcast, we also have our Q and A segment. It's a new segment yes. where we will answer or, or yeah, try, try to, to answer right, right, right. questions that our listeners have posted to our social media accounts. So this will be fun. I know we might have to do just like one or two. Really, like I don't know, get our feet wet with this because. I don't know. Questions from social media. Well, that's why we get anyway. to screen. That's Our children true. are screening these people, so keep them <laughs> PG. All right. Well, but right, exactly. We'll keep it G. But first, let's talk about how um, the coronavirus has apparently left the building. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> no sorry. more. Sorry, America. It wasn't <laughs> what you thought it was. Oh it was gosh. mostly hyperbole and fear mongering. Um, Please uh, gather in massive throngs of thousands, yell and scream at people, close distances, start fires, loot stores, deface deface national monuments, you know, because uh, hashtag free speech and that extra inconvenient violence inoculates you. It does? Mm, Apparently. (laughs) So you're free from it. We are COVID free, people. I know. Whoever knew if we just exercised the First Amendment that we would just be, you know, free from all the, the, I don't know. The pandemic that shut down America. I don't know. Hand sanitizer would be really mad if they knew <laughs> that looting is what cured oh my coronavirus and not hand sani. <laughs> it's so crazy. Look, the, the, remember, this is the scourge that we were told is just like the Spanish flu. But don't compare coronavirus to the flu because they're not the same. But it's just like the Spanish flu where 50 million people died, but it's not the flu. I'm so, so confused. It is all confused. I'm so confused. And and I'm legit, you know, honestly, we knew people who have had and suffered through coronavirus. So I know that it was real and we're not making a joke of that. We're just making a joke of the way the politics, the, me- the politics and yes. the media takes a turn and therefore the entire story takes a turn. But we all know, and I think it's, it's full disclosure for everybody that um, we all knew that we didn't know anything about anything from beginning to the end. Even now, if you're asymptomatic, you will share it. If you're asymptomatic, you won't share it. But wear a mask, but don't wear a mask. If you're asymptomatic, but please wear a mask. If you're not sure if you should wear a mask, just in case in those who don't have masks, I don't even know. I'm actually surprised we didn't start literally like people standing on their heads. Somebody should have been like, if you stand on your head, you're completely immune. And before you know it, everybody would be like tripping over their... 
hands trying to stand on their heads. <laughs> Why not? I mean, everything else seems hands. to work. What does that <laughs> even mean? I just, I didn't know. Like, when does a virus know that you are six feet apart and no longer eligible to be infected? <laughs> I'm just wondering how that happens. Yep, anyway. make sure it's not five and a half, six. Oh, for Only love. six. Who knew? Did you? Racism apparently mm. has canceled the pandemic. So, mm-hmm. um, about that hashtag. Yeah. Yeah, we agree with the truth that, that Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Um, because we all matter. Mm-hmm. We're all created and loved equally by the same God. Mm-hmm. But a hashtag is no longer a concept, but it is a heavily funded movement. When that concept moves from the abstract idea and the notion to action, it's it's now a cause. And unfortunately, right. it's a cause with a deeply political agenda. A very heavily funded cause. Yes, you're talking 100 million plus but see, we're not here today to talk specifically about the Black Lives Matter movement, Mm-mm. but we are here to just touch on just some of the the repercussions of a hashtag that turns into the cause that turns mm-hmm. into the heavily mm-hmm. funded movement. Look at what happened in Kentucky. I know. Oh, my goodness. Governor Bashir announced. I mean, <sighs> OK, so apparently all black people get free health care, according to Governor Bashir. It's his way of ensuring uh, equality and justice. I, I think that's kind of called racism because if all white people were the only ones receiving free health care, that would be racist. So now all black people, doesn't matter whether or not you're wealthy or not, you just get free health care because of the color of your skin. So you'd get free health care. I wouldn't. And our kids would get half of free health care. <laughs> I'm wondering if it How would be work? like neck up. Can we do dental? <laughs> Can we do stomach aches or is that not covered in their have? Anyway, <laughs> just wondering. Okay, sorry. I, Think, I things have this that make, emphysema laugh. <laughs> things that make you go, hmm. Well, you're black. You can go get checked out. <laughs> Told you we were tired. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Wow. That's, um, that's, that's good stuff. But see, these these movements have they have consequences. Look at Minneapolis, the city. Did, oh. did you see the footage uh, going through the city of Minneapolis? It looks like a war zone. I know. But yet, the Minneapolis City Council voted to defund and disband the police. How does it's actually not even a rational solution, but. This is why, and we're not going to repeat our last podcast. If you want to hear more about what we feel about the movement, please go back and listen to number eight. And if you want to hear how we feel about race, go back and listen to number seven. But here, for number nine here, (laughs) we want to talk about like, okay, so a lot of people said, we're just saying that Black Lives Matter. It's a very nice thing to say. It's a unifying thing. And we're going to separate from the agenda. But the reality is, like you just said, the agenda, the hashtag goes from an idea and a concept to a social reform. Right. I mean, we, we've we watched this with the LGBT community. Right. Remember? Because it's this beautiful imagery, these vibrant rainbow flags, right? And they use these hashtags when they're corporate sponsored movement sought to change the very definition of marriage right right? hashtag love wins and love Love is is love love, right right. who's who's not going to agree with something it's all literally unicorns rainbows and love and it's really about loving each other right well except for the fact that 
what happened? A lot happened. I mean, the, the, the whole love is love. As a Christian, we have to look at it a little differently. Scripture says God mm-hmm. is love. And you know when you learn in elementary school that you don't use a word to define the word. So right. love is not love. And, and God condemns sex outside of the marriage bond of husband and wife. And that's any sex outside of the marriage bond. But sadly, too many Christians couldn't and won't distinguish between these things. Mm-hmm. Loving every human being is not the same as loving every human doing. Boom. Right? You can no longer walk into most major stores without seeing co-opted rainbows. Everywhere. Everywhere on all different logos. There have now become rainbow logos. Countless corporations promote it religiously. Mm -hmm. Right? Especially now because it's June, which is Pride Month. You can't even... You can't turn on a show without seeing the promotion of homosexuality. How many shows have we watched and it's like a handful, right, a handful <laughs> of episodes in and you're like, eh, what? Well, how did that even become part of the storyline? Right. But you're talking about a hashtag, an idea that actually was way more than that. So when Christians were saying, let's celebrate love, they were mindlessly being being part of of something that was going to be a growing agenda that was actually going to shift culture away from the gospel. Right, exactly. And just like the Black Lives Matter movement, which is heavily funded, so was the LGBT so is the LGBT right. movement. I mean, mm-hmm. these are multi multi million dollar gay rights organizations. And so when it comes down to it, it's more than a concept, it's more than yes. a hashtag. It's social policy. So when churches and religious organizations are being forced to bow to LGBT legislation that disregards the First Amendment protections, mm, Mm -hmm. not a hashtag. Mm -hmm. Uh, When psychologists and counselors can no longer provide therapy that doesn't affirm homosexuality to minors with unwanted same-sex attraction, it's no longer a hashtag. So this is what, you know, we just want people to get in their minds that it's so much more than a hashtag. It's so much mm-hmm. more than a concept or a notion. There are forces at work mm-hmm. that are working whether or not you recognize that they exist or not. Right. Yeah, that's why today's show is dedicated to really changing the narratives that lead to destruction, especially when people are misguided into believing a lie leads to freedom. Right. So it's dedicated to the idea of the biblical concept that there is beauty in unity love it. I love that you've created a meme that shows that. I've been hashtagging that on on things here and there, but beauty and unity. One of the most powerful things that comes to mind when I think of the beauty and unity is when I go back and um, I've spent some time studying the Azusa Street Revival. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it started off as a revival meeting in a home in L.A., out there in Los Angeles, California, with William Seymour, a black pastor, Um, He led those meetings back in 1906, and the Holy Spirit fire ignited a three-year revival that literally changed America forever. And this Pentecostal movement began in an explosion of spontaneous worship, healings, and speaking in tongues. And in a time when worship was segregated, right? So crazy. These meetings saw whites, they saw blacks. Asians and Hispanics all coming together. All together. No longer in these segregated churches, but right. all together worshiping and repenting. And, and and they even said when they described some of these meetings, there, there weren't instruments even needed because it was mm-hmm. just these voices lifting mm-hmm. up to heaven. 
altogether. So one of the, the, the writers, the Pentecostal writers, and his evangelist, Frank Bartleman, wrote about this, and he described mm-hmm. the Azusa Street Revival this way. I love this. He said the color line was washed away in the blood. Come on. Say that yes. again, please. The color line was washed away mm-hmm. in the blood. Mm-hmm. This is what Jesus does. Come on. And, you know, we've been seeing these these moments of worship break out in streets and cities across America, uh, countering the the chaos of so many of the protests. Mm-hmm. Now, I know there have been some peaceful protests, but there's been a lot of of just sheer chaos and confusion. And in the mm-hmm. middle of that, when you see, like one of our friends, uh, Sean Foyt. Right. Uh, just worship breaking out. Right. Oh my goodness. It's, and, and you see, you see white and you see black and you see every hue in between. And what unites us? Right. What unites us? I mean, Sean, I, I love, uh, he has this, he's the founder of uh, Burn 24-7, Light mm-hmm. a Candle Global, Hold the Line Movements. Right. And been leading worship around yeah. the world for years, years, right? And and has has described incredible scenes and gone to places all over that have North Korea, I mean, right? Right, <laughs> worshiping right there in the DMZ. I mean, come on! I remember there's an image he had put up on Facebook, and he was on the top of a tank, and he was going into Taliban territory. Oh my gosh. Every all of the folks that were around him, all of the military, they were head to toe in garb and there he is sitting on the top of the tank just playing his small like his ukulele and they would just say to him, "Would you come out and come with us because guess what? The Taliban would begin to um move back when he would begin to worship. They would begin to retreat. They would take their flags down because what would go out yeah. would be the sound of worship because worship sends the demons a-running. Yes. And he brings the peace. That's what this is about. It's about bringing the peace. And even when we think about the Azusa Street Revival and the peace and the absolute river of God that was brought to America through that revival, I actually think it's fascinating that one of the scholarships you received Received when you went to Regent University, yeah. was wasn't it the Azusa Street Revival? It was the scholarship. scholarship. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a full paid scholarship. My time right. at Regent University in Virginia Beach, which was the most amazing uh, time that I had, mainly because I met you. Aww, <laughs> I mean, th- that that was the best. I mean, the education <laughs> was good too. <laughs> the education actually was excellent. Um, Lots but of good friends. The Azusa uh, the the Azusa Street Revival is really at the the center of what enabled me. To do what I what I did there through mm-hmm. education and learning all the you know the journalism and and the editing and and directing mm-hmm. and and all this creative stuff, I'm so grateful to mm-hmm. Regent for that. I'm so mm-hmm. grateful for this moment in history that showed us that even in the midst of the, of turmoil, even when the rest of the society says no, you know, white and black, you can't worship together. You know what? I'm sorry, <laughs> we've got a higher law, mm-hmm. and God says we are one in Christ. Yes. I love this verse, Romans 15, 5 through 7 says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, mm-hmm. so that with one mind yes. and one voice, on. you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted Jesus. you, in order to bring praise to God. Oh my gosh. And that's what happened in Azusa. And that's what's happening now in places all across America that are powder kegs. But instead of exploding with violence, mm-hmm. they're exploding with worship and mm-hmm. praise. One mind and one voice. I love that. Dropping divisions, finding beauty in unity, understanding that we're one.
one human race. And, and, and for me to think about you getting that scholarship, it's just prophetic. It was a prophetic word of what God had for you. I'm just going to say what the enemy intended for evil for you, honey, you know, conceived in rape, conceived out of the violence of rape, two different ethnicities, two different groups. And what the devil thought would be the end of you was not, was just the beginning of this prophetic sign to this world Amen. for what we need right now. One blood, one voice, oh my gosh. one mind. That's awesome. One God. It's so true. Mm. And, and then marrying you and mm. continuing this whole narrative that that debunks mm-hmm. the world's whole mm-hmm. ideology. Mm-hmm. Look, when we worship, our arbitrary differentiations, they melt away. Right. When we love each other, those arbitrary differentiations Mm -hmm. melt away. We become one with Christ, unified in that perfect bond of unity, Mm. which is love, like it says in Colossians 3.14. So come on, devil. (laughs) You can't stop the people of God when they pray and they worship together. Right. Reconciliation and and salvation is the very heart of it. Mm Mm-hmm. God reconciled us to himself through the sacrifice of Christ, yeah. a sacrifice that covers not just some, but all of our sins. Wait, all of them? Yeah. Every single one of them? Yeah. Because by the way, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us has. You know, if you've heard me speak before, and of course you know this, one of my favorite verses, and I say that about a lot of verses because I really truly do have a lot of favorites, but Second Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You listen to Life as a Purpose with Ryan and Bethany Bomberger. We have more stories of reconciliation on the way. We will be right back. Life has Hi, I'm Aliyah Bomberger, and you're listening to Life Has Purpose with my mom and dad. I was adopted when I was three days old. My family loves me a lot. I love them just as much as they love me, both my adoptive family and my birth family. My birth mom was 16 and pregnant. I can't even imagine how hard it was for her, but she chose life and made me possible. Turn the unplanned into a loving plan. Learn more at AdoptedInLove.com. Welcome back to Life as Purpose. So we're talking about reconciliation. We're talking about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And, and they're both at the heart of Christianity. There's no salvation without it. Just in case you don't know a little bit about me, uh, I was adopted into a multi-ethnic family of 15. Ten of us were adopted. And if you haven't listened to show number five, you need to. It features my mom, my mama, sharing her perspective mm-hmm. on adoption, God's love, and transformation. It is so powerful. Really is. I mean, the mm-hmm. feedback we've gotten from that show has been really incredible. Mm-hmm. But being transracially adopted, and when I say transracially, I put air quotes up there because we are all just one human race. But transracial adoption is one of the most powerful forms of racial reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Loving a child of a different ethnicity or different skin color simply because he or she deserves to be loved. 100%. I love all my kiddos. My youngest son's skin is beautifully brown. We adopted him and love him with all our hearts. Adoption um, is is reconciliation though on so many different levels. And there are so many stories to tell and so many stories we could tell about the adoption's that we've walked through, but we want to fill your hearts with hope when the world is screaming at us to feel helpless. 
Yeah. Mm. Well, how about, here's a great story. Yes. Of Corey Ten Boom. Let's talk about Corey. Holocaust yeah. survivor, author of the powerful book, The Hiding Place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so this is an excerpt from Guidepost Classics, Corey Ten Boom on forgiveness. Now we'll link to the story in the show number nine block on our lifeispurpose.com page. But this incredible moment of reconciliation happened after Corey Ten Boom gave a talk in Germany in 1947, just a few years after all of the atrocities of the Holocaust wiped out millions. So we were just going to talk about this, but Bethany's going to actually just read an excerpt from the Guy Post article. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. just It's so worth powerful. reading. It's just really worth hearing. And that's when I saw him. Working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back to me with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights. The pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor. The shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fräulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take the hand. He would not remember me. Of course, how could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fräulein, again, the hand came out to me. Will you forgive me? And I stood there, I, whose sins had every day to be forgiven and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me, and as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all of my heart. Wow. How does the human heart even get to that place when you've experienced such loss, such horrific loss? Mm. And you can say to a Nazi soldier, I mm-hmm. forgive you. Yeah. Come on, people. And you know, 
what had to happen here and why we thought this story was so poignant is that here somebody who had been oppressed looks into the eyes of the oppressor knowing that there's a difference in culture there's a difference in belief system but what brought them together Corey Ten Boom's love for God and the oppressor whose love for God brought him humbly to a position where he could say, here's my hand, I am sorry. And what happened here was supernatural. Completely. And this is what our culture and our world needs. And I know that this side of heaven, there's going to be injustices, but I just pray for more electric moments like this, where hands, one hand goes out to another, and then there is reconciliation. Hey, this is Justice Parmiger, and you're listening to Life Has Purpose. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. Visit us and download the podcast at lifehaspurpose.com. Life is never picture perfect. Human beings come in all different shapes, sizes, colors, and abilities. No matter how much we plan, no matter how much we think we're prepared, the unplanned happens all the time. It's how we respond to the unexpected that shows our true humanity. But many do not see the value of every human life. Too many are willing to discard those who don't fit the picture of perfection. Abortion destroys the chance to love and to be loved. We never know what will fill the frames of our lives or how empty those frames can be when we allow exceptions. You know, at the Radiance Foundation, we love talking about transformation. Mm-hmm. And forgiveness is the catalyst for that, that transformation. Forgiveness changes everything. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a story oof, about a woman named Debbie Berkowitz. And she was a white woman who was shot by a 13-year-old black teenager during a robbery. And that teen was sentenced to life in mm-hmm. prison. I guess she say sentenced to death in prison. Um, he reached out to her. After years of being in solitary confinement, and he asked for forgiveness. And what did she do? She forgave him. Mm. She was shot. (laughs) And she forgave him. And that relationship resulted in him being released after 26 years in prison. Mm. And the account of this is a remarkable story of forgiveness that can be found at the Equal Justice Initiative. And it's just... It's just so powerful. They have these pictures of the two of them just hugging at this dinner. But... This is reconciliation, and it really can only come from the heart of God. Because the things that we cannot do in the natural, 
will always always happen in the supernatural when we allow that to happen. Mm. And then there's this phenomenal moment of forgiveness caught on camera. Brant John, brother of um, Botham John, a young black man killed by a white female Dallas police officer, Amber Geiger. She killed Botham, claiming she um, she had thought his apartment was her own apartment, Which is right? Weird. Yeah, she I was know, tired. Guess, came off a long shift, and... right? So she goes in there and she thinks that he's an intruder, and he's you know eating at his table in his own apartment. It's horrible. It's so it's tragic. So tragic. She she kills him. And this is what happens in the courtroom. So Botham John's brother Brant John is now on the witness mm-hmm. stand, and this is what he had to say to the woman who killed his brother. And I I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please? Please. He's asking the judge this. Right. Yes. Wow. Do you do you remember what the judge did? Yeah. Well, after they they hug, so here they're hugging for like well over a minute. He's just embracing her, mm. and I think everybody in that courtroom is crying because. They're human. So this goes on for quite a while. And then after this... <laughs> District Judge Tammy Kemp apparently gave Geiger her Bible. And she also hugged her saying, you can have mine. I have three or four more at home, the judge says. Yeah. This is the one I use every day. This is your job for the next month to read this. And she it says would, right here, yeah. Right, John 3.16. And this is where you start, she tells her. <laughs> For God so loved the world. Come on. Life has purpose. Listen, download, and subscribe at lifehaspurpose.com or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. And we give you the answers. All right, so it's our inaugural Q&A segment. So <laughs> we're going to start off with some great questions that we got on social media. And this one is from Shizzy Mac. Shizzy, Shizzy, Shizzy. Wicka, wicka, what? Mac. So <laughs> Shizzy asks, as Christians, how can we aptly explain to our friends and family that race is a human construct and of no significance when faced with the gospel? I know there isn't one trick, but what are your thoughts? Well, Shizzy... 
I would have to say it this way. The Bible never even addresses race. Why is that? Because out of Acts 17, it says we were made from one blood. There is no such thing as different racial groups. It was a made-up construct in the mid-1700s. There's never been a beneficial outcome to that. It's always been disastrous. You know what I'm saying? So here's some resources I would just recommend. Check out Oneness Embraced by Tony Evans. It's a great book. Any teachings, any teachings on race by Vodi Bakum. And that you can find them out at V-O-D-D-I-E-B-A-U-C-H-A-M.org. Of course, we'll link these on show number nine block on lifehaspurpose.com. And then there's Ken Ham's book, One Race, One Blood. Okay, here's another one from our dear friend, Carrie Ann Tannis. Carrie Ann. Woo-woo. She says, what specifically <clears throat> do you like or dislike about working with your spouse? Oh, why she got to make it all personal? It's time to go personal. <laughs> well, um, I'll let you start. Babe, I love babe. working with you. I think that we understand each other's strengths. And so it helps us <laughs> deal with the weaknesses because we, we know have weaknesses. <laughs> I ain't got no weaknesses, lady. <laughs> That's your first one. Okay, mm. I, there are things I love working. You know, working with you, babe. Mm. You first of all, we were just totally meant to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, one hundred percent. God knew that Ryan and Bethany R and B were going to be a thing. I mean, right there. Our initials, R and B, that just tells you something. But what we like or dislike. Um, But we finish each other's sentences every time, (laughs) and we weren't even looking at each other. We think alike in some things, and then then we have there are times when Bethany uh, betters some of my thoughts when I'm working on on a project. So I don't know. I I don't think there anything. The only thing I dislike is that it's midnight. And we're working, <laughs> so. But it's not anything about her. It's just about. But that's the other thing. It's like we both have in our hearts to do what we're doing, and so there's just challenges, and we're we're just in it to win it, and we're gonna stick with it until we overcome the challenge, even if that means that it's midnight, and we have um, we have things that we need to get done. Yeah. For the good of the world. Yeah. And, you know, if if all else fails and we need to throw some 90s R&B um, in the mix, we can do that. <laughs> you know, we love our worship music. Too. There's so many things that we love about working with one another. I can't really say there's anything I, I dislike. I, the only thing I do dislike is that I wish my, my wife could actually take a vacation. Oh, I feel the same way for you, babe. Can we take it together? Okay. Okay. Done deal. <laughs> Done. Done. All right, next. Okay, and then here's one from Instagram. And this is from the Peters Photos. And they ask, what are some of the beautiful, unique, or even difficult differences mm-hmm. that you all have discovered in living as an interracial family? My husband is from India. He's brown, and I'm <laughs> and I'm off-white as can be. Mm-hmm. We are expecting our first sweet baby, and I'm just curious of your family's experience. Mm-hmm. First of all, I love being married to Bethany Bomberger <laughs> for so many reasons. And when, you know, I, it's we're not colorblind. We see our color and we love mm-hmm. it. But the thing that's so interesting is the world is far more fixated with our differences than we are. Do you know what I mean? Right. And as the day goes by in normal everyday living, 
we just see each other for for who we are. We don't like right. really think about the color differences. It's funny though. I do think that um, there's been different experiences. I was thinking when when you asked that question, I was thinking about when we were at the beach with Aaliyah one of the first times that she was at the beach, and we were realizing, you know, that our our my mixed kiddos, they pick up color real, real quick. They just get a beautiful shade. They tan sh- really, oh, really well, yes. They just, they just pick up. They <laughs> just tan. You know me, it takes me a while to work up that base. And 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 I'm just always like, ah, can I get a little more sun? And can I have that little, that glow? I love it. I love their glow. But do you remember one of the first times oh she gosh. was rec- realizing that <laughs> Her body had certain colors and she took off her bathing suit. And of course, that area hadn't gotten any, any sun, sun. Right. And she was flipping out going, Mom, my butt is blank. My butt is blank. <laughs> We're like, what? Oh. oh no, that baby. Was... <laughs> it's not It's not like blank. It just, just didn't get the sun. Just you know? light cream. That's all. Right. It's just light cream. And the rest of you just got real, real cute and brown. So that's something. And, you know, we we work through. We've bought lots of hair products over the years years there's six of us in the family with six different types and textures of hair different different mixes have created different different types of hair so trying to work out those things and um and they're fun and they are fun and and just being a family that is so many different hues i love it because we're a representation Mm. of what it is in 2020 yes that (laughs) Beauty in this, unity. There is beauty in unity. There is beauty in our diverse hues. And of course, diversity goes far deeper than just skin. But I, I love that she's off-white, depending on what time of the year, maybe closer to a, a golden brown. <laughs> but, oh my gosh. When I was younger, I would tan. I'd love, we lived at the beach. You right. go to the beach, right? And so when I started having babies and you just have a lot less time for yourself, one night I just looked at you, babe, and I was like, I'm so sorry that you thought you married <laughs> Somebody with darker complexion. Look, I, I knew who I married. I knew I, <laughs> I knew the woman that I married. And I just love being in this relationship. For me, it's just such a fulfillment of God's heart that he wanted us mm-hmm. to be to be one. Mm-hmm. That there aren't these these arbitrary separations. And quite honestly, mixed mixed kids are just adorable. Right. I'm a little biased because I think our kids are cute, but they're just adorable. And and you mm-hmm. know what? Okay, I'm gonna say this out there too, because I'm not gonna exclude anybody. Kids who aren't mixed are also cute. Super cute. But I'm just saying there's kids, just something about now I will say too <laughs> that the kids do look a little more like me. Yep, they definitely <laughs> I didn't have to like, go through hmm. the the, uh, the birthing pains or anything, but no. I'm people, just saying people it's think not I'm fair, the adopted really. one. They think I'm the adopted one in this family. Okay. They're it's like, oh, okay, so you're the one with straight hair. Right. And like, who do you belong to? Yo. She belongs to us. Come on. She really does. Look, they got your your eyelashes, your beautiful eyelashes, mm. your beautiful eyes. Come on. They, they, Listen, and they have to personality traits. The thing that matters most to me and I mean this sincerely because we think our kids are beautiful. But what matters most is that their hearts are inclined to the Heavenly Father and that they've made commitments to love Jesus Christ and to live for him for all of their life. And and that's really what matters. That is the foundation of what makes our family work. It is what brings us together. It is what helps us get through personality differences. It's what helps us get through any of our differences because that is what unifies. That is what unifies our family. 
So we'd love to hear from you. Send us your feedback or your questions at lifehaspurpose.com. We want to know what you think and even address your questions in our Q&A segments and in future shows. Hey, you listen to the Life Has Purpose podcast with Ryan and Bethany Bomberger. We'll be back with our last segment, our last story of reconciliation right after this. Life Has Purpose. Yay. So today we're talking about reconciliation. We're talking about beauty and unity. We're talking about these Mm -hmm. beautiful stories of reconciliation. We've talked a bit about how this reconciliation has come about, but what are some practicals? Like what are some ways if, if folks are listening and they're like, okay, so we get this, we want beauty and unity. How do we, how do we help make this the reality? Well, there there are a number of different ways. I think first and foremost, we have to bathe everything in prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, God help help me look into my own heart, mm-hmm. and are there things in my own heart? And this is not just talking about race, people. Which mm-hmm. again, it's just a made up human construct. But it, it's it's whatever that issue is in your heart, the way that you look at other people, the way that you you act toward other people. So pray, God, illuminate these things in my heart. Mm-hmm. The other part is praying for opportunities. Praying for opportunities that I can connect with somebody. And that leads to what I think is one of the most important things when we talk about reconciliation, and that's mm-hmm. relationships. Right. And being intentional about creating relationships. Yeah. So often we feel like we're going to sit in the same spot at church. We're going to go into the same restaurants, maybe, maybe sit in, maybe you have a usual spot in certain restaurants. And sometimes we just have to be intentional about mixing it up, sitting somewhere else, being willing to go outside of our comfort zone right. and, and turn to the person to our right or to our left, make eye contact and become friends with them. Yes. Uh, invite them over for lunch. Take them out to lunch or invite them over for dinner. We have to have these these genuine sort of relationships. If you're ever to understand somebody who's not like you, and mm-hmm. again, this can be a variety of different things, socioeconomic mm-hmm. differences or whatever, we have to be willing to actually form relationships. Right. So when we talk about reconciliation, it's so much broader than a, a singular issue, of course. What does forgiveness mean? How do you walk out forgiveness? Mm-hmm. And sometimes forgiveness means that, you know, you may not even talk to that person. You may not even be able to be, come into their sphere. They may, maybe they're not even alive anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I went to an event where a, a very famous leader talked about forgiving someone who 
was no longer alive and just how his mm. life and carrying all that bitterness for so long had, had really just eaten away at him. But he had to forgive mm -hmm. the person who had harmed him so much. And so sometimes maybe that person's not even alive, but we have to figure out and, and, and go to God, how, help me, help me walk through this forgiveness. Right. Help me release the bitterness. Help yeah. me to release the offense. Yes. Because offense just festers. And that's why in this whole walking out and just being who God has called us to be as it pertains to relationships and other people, I think that taking every cap, um, every thought captive yeah. is, is paramount. And um, sometimes we'll look at somebody and we will prejudge them. Take that thought captive. What are you judging? Are you judging based on something that's reality or something that's a fear of yours? Or are you, what, what is that? What is that judgment from? And, you know, listen, the Lord gave us eyes to see and ears to hear. So we're going to look at situations. We're going to notice certain things, but, but we have to also remember to take captive every thought. And, and if, you know, the Holy Spirit has been invited into your thought pattern, then he's going to prick your heart and he's going to prick us to, to maybe stop in our tracks and say, Hmm, I'm prejudging that person right. before I even know them. And maybe it just means that the girl, we keep talking about church because we've been, you know, doing, that's been a lot of our conversations, but you know, the, the girl in church or the, or the girl in the store, instead of looking at them being like, wow, they're, they're, their clothes look pretty trampy. They should really, you know, think twice and blah, blah, blah. Stop and look at them for the human being that they are. Right. And maybe there's something going on in their life. Maybe there's some reason that they're they're seeking certain types of attention. And so instead of being quick to judge, we stop and take that thought and we hold it captive. Picture a captive, something that's wrapped up. And maybe we just hold on to it until we realize this is a God thought or this is not a God thought. And what is a God thought? Then release it. Right. And then allow right. it to run, run in your own mind. But if not, then, then get rid of it. Yes. Colossians 3.13, I think, helps us just keep things focused. I mean, without that biblical foundation, we don't know how we're supposed to act. And so we constantly have to go to the word. Mm -hmm. I love these mm -hmm. words from Colossians 3.13. It says, make allowance for each other's faults. Oh, wow. Make allowance. That's so good. Oh, my goodness. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord mm. forgave you, right. so you must forgive others. So we have this last story in the show. Mm -hmm. We touched on this incredible story in one of our previous podcasts, but we want to end our show with this extraordinary gospel-centered moment. Dylan Roof, who you, you may remember, was the self-avowed white supremacist who stormed into a Bible study being held in the Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina. And he killed nine precious lives, all black, just out of hatred, out of brokenness, out of a demonic hold of mm -hmm. sin that is just so hard to even comprehend. Yet, despite um, having loved ones ripped away by such hate, Charleston families chose to do something shocking. And just to set the scene here, the families are talking actually to Dylan Roof. I just want everybody to know, to you, I forgive you. You took something very precious away from me. I will never talk to her ever again. I will never be able to hold her again. 
but I forgive you. And have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. But God forgive you. And I forgive you. I, I can only say wow. I can only say that God's love makes that mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So as we end today, we're sending you out with a job to do. Go find somebody to be super loving to. Give somebody a hug that you wouldn't have otherwise maybe given a hug or a high five, a COVID, you know, social distance high five. Spend some time and find beauty in unity. We'd love to know what you think of the podcast. Go to lifehaspurpose.com and give us your feedback. You can also listen and download our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Remember, whatever may come your way. And no matter what people say, your your life life has has purpose. purpose.